Welcome to Women on the Line, a community radio national feminist current affairs program featuring the voices of women and gender diverse people, produced at 3CR Community Radio in Nam, Melbourne, and broadcast on the Community Radio Network. I'm Emma Hart. The cost of abortion, the fact it's not widely accessible in rural and um, regional Australia, means that some people have the reproductive autonomy to have abortions more easily than others. Women on the Line acknowledges that this program is produced and presented on the land of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nations and that their sovereignty was never ceded. We acknowledge their elders past and present, as well as the traditional owners of the land on which you're hearing us from. Earlier this year, the US Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade, the 1973 ruling which protected abortion rights on a national level, unleashing a wave of repressive measures against abortion rights in conservative US states and increasing public focus on this area. Regular listeners may remember that for my last episode of the program, we looked beyond the USA to the situation for abortion rights in Poland, speaking with a member of Spieler Collective, an anarcho-feminist anti-repression collective based in Warsaw, working to support activists or other people who face repressions because of their political activity. This week on the program, we continue that conversation closer to home, looking at abortion rights in so-called Australia. I speak with Dr. Erica Miller, Senior Research Fellow at La Trobe University, who provides a brief history of local abortion rights, an explanation of differences in state-based abortion legislation, and perspectives on the impact of cultural perceptions of abortion on our current legal framework. My name is Dr. Erica Miller, and I'm a Senior Research Fellow at La Trobe University in the Department of Social Inquiry. Thank you so much for joining us on the program today, Erica. Um, No worries. So today we're going to be speaking about abortion in Australia. So since the US Supreme Court decision overturning Roe versus Wade a couple of months ago, um, which removed national protections for abortion rights in the USA um, and has made abortions much more difficult or impossible to get now in some US states. So this this subject has been much more at the forefront of discussion in Australia as well. But mm, yeah. In Australia, both our legal and cultural contexts are related to the US, but also quite different. So um, to begin with, could you take us through, I guess, a, a potted history of how abortion rights came to exist in Australia? Okay, I'm going to take you through a very potted history of like 200 years. Um, and so Australia, as a, as a settler colony, inherited um, British law. Um, and so with that came the criminalisation of abortion. Uh, and in Britain, um, abortion, and some people don't know this, they kind of assume that abortion was criminal or sort of through much of human history, but um, actually it was only criminalised in the 19th century. And um, one of the re- there were several reasons for this, but one of the reasons was that doctors were trying to wrestle control over uh, reproductive health care for female mid- midwives. And one of the ways they did that was to make uh, abortion illegal. It was also caught within sort of a pronatal, natalist discourse of wanting um, basically, uh, to put it very crudely, white women to have more children. Um, so this and- issue has also always been racialized, basically. Oh, always, of course, yep. because it's about controlling population. And so when we think about controlling population, there's always a racial dimension to that. Um, and so criminalised in the 19th century um, entirely um, for the, both the person who would procure the abortion and the person who would have the abortion, 
But of course, abortion was always widely practiced, um, always has been and um, always was um, through the 19th and 20th centuries. And so come the 20th century, there was an important decision in um, 1936, I think it was, in um, the UK called the Bourne Ruling. And what this decided was that you could perform an abortion for therapeutic reasons, but the therapeutic grounds for abortion were very narrow. And so basically it was um, for physical, um, for sort of physical health. And during the 20th century, definitions of health broadened um, away from purely physical to psychological. Um, and so with this came an, 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 a deeper understanding of what therapeutic abortion might look like. Um, and so with these sort of shifts in medical practice, there are also shifts in society. And so let's move to the 1960s now. Um, a lot of people associate abortion activism with feminism, and that's correct, but that actually happened um, in the 1970s. In the 1960s, it was really actually liberal doctors and libertarians who fought for not the decriminalisation of abortion, but the liberalisation of abortion. And so what they wanted was um, to get rid of the, the criminal, criminal penalties for abortion so long as um, doctors uh, thought the abortion was necessary, not only for a pregnant person's physical health, but also for their sort of mental and psychological well-being. So there was a big campaign in the 1960s around that, led by organisations such as the Abortion Law Reform Association, and these formed in all Australian states and territories. Um, and this led to significant legislative change in the 60s and 70s. And this legislative change happened independently in each of Australia's jurisdictions. Uh, but basically what it did was it... It kept abortion cr a criminal offence, but it made an exception to this. And the exception was abortion would not be illegal if it was performed by a doctor and the doctor performed the abortion because the pregnant person would um, suffer um, severe psychological or physical um, harm had they continued with the pregnancy. And so what this meant really was that doctors had broad grounds for performing abortion. Um, and if you found a sympathetic doctor, they would very rightly say that actually forcing a person to continue with a pregnancy is always injurious to their mental and emotional health. Um, and so abortion was therefore always necessary if someone didn't want to be pregnant. And so, but this was kind of the, the status quo of abortion provision in Australia until very recently. So it was very um, liberally performed by medical doctors, but it was still technically illegal because the way they were, they were um, performing abortions lawfully was through an exception to the criminal law. And so here came the modern period where we fought for decriminalisation. Um, and so what decriminalisation has done is it actually got rid of the criminal offence of abortion. And instead of being regulated in criminal law, abortion is now regulated in health law, largely, although there's residual criminal offences. So I hope that's okay <laughs> to just take you through. Yeah. Thank you, Erica. That is fascinating. Um, so because our legislation is state-based, as you touched on, the mm. situation is different in each state or territory in Australia. So can yeah. you quickly take us through the legal situation um, for people who want to have an abortion in different parts of Australia? I will. I want to um, sort of start this by saying that um, sometimes I focus on all the restrictions and all the barriers, but actually I should really start with the fact that if you're pregnant and you don't want to be, you're going to be able to get an abortion. So don't worry <laughs> for those listeners um, who are sort of in that situation or will be in the future or, you know, have friends who will be and want to guide them. But um, there are legal barriers to abortion in all Australian states and territories. So um, the process of decriminalisation in Australia started in 1998 and it started in WA. 
Um, and partly because WA was first, um, it now re- um, stands as the most um, conservative jurisdiction. It's kind of a funny law in WA where it, a lot of it was taken out of the um, criminal law and placed in health law. But if doctors don't follow health law, then they, they're liable for a criminal offence. So it's kind of it, people talk about it being decriminalised in WA, but I don't think it really that's really uh, a completely accurate view of what's the picture there. And so for doctors who perform abortion outside of the ground circumscribed in health law, um, they're guilty of a criminal offence with a penalty of $50,000, and that's a maximum penalty. And those grounds in health law are exactly um, those grounds that were uh, circumscribed um, in the 60s and 70s. And so Technically, in WA, abortion is still not a pregnant person's choice. It's a doctor's choice. And if a doctor can't say that they're performing the abortion for a pregnant person's um, mental, emotional, physical well-being, then they can face um, criminal liability. But as I said, because, um, you know, the, 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 there is evidence-based argument that all forced pregnancies are bad for a pregnant person's mental health, then, yeah, pretty it, it, effectively it's, um, um, you know, on a pregnant person's choice. But that this all changes in WA at um, 20 weeks. Uh, when you're 20 weeks pregnant, um, your abortion decision needs to go up against an abortion panel of medical experts appointed by the health minister. Um, and this health panel, um, this abortion panel, I should say, is very restrictive. And so it's very, very difficult to get an abortion WA after 20 weeks. Um, and so we get a lot of... Um, pregnant people um, going into state for those abortions. Um, and so throughout Australia, one thing that unites our law is that it's there's a re- residual criminal offence for abortion for unqualified practitioners. Um, and so if an unqualified uh, practitioner performs an abortion, then they're, criminal, they're guilty of a criminal offence and face a jail sentence. Um, and this jail sentence is variable for from, I think, two to five years. And so I know that's five years in, in WA. Um, the significance of this is that um, we already have health law that regulates who can perform medical procedures. And so, for example, I can't, can't go off and perform heart surgery on someone. I can't do a tons- tonsillectomy um, and because I'm obviously not qualified. Um, and health law protects patients from that already. And so there's no need for abortion-specific law. Um, and the fact there is, and the fact that this is in criminal law and health law is saying something about the special status of abortion that is still that there's still seen to uh, perceived to be a need um, for a cr- criminal offence that relates to abortion. Um, and uh, and abortion is the only medical procedure that is in the criminal code and remains so. Um, and then when we come to mainly in all states and territories now, there um, the law is sorry abortion is regulated in health law, and there's different sort of things in health law depending on states. Um, and so a couple of the differences are. Um, that some state jurisdictions require um, doctors to provide pregnant people with information about counselling before performing an abortion. Um, so if it's WA, the Northern Territory, um, South Australia and New South Wales for pregnancies over 22 weeks. So the significance of this is um, that, I mean, it's not necessarily a bad thing having counselling before an abortion, um, if, especially if you're not sure about your decision, but most people are very certain about their decision. Um, but the fact that there's counselling mandated, doctors are required to provide pregnant people with information about counselling before an abortion, but not, for example, before deciding to continue with the pregnancy. The law is making a value judgment there about what could be potentially harmful for pregnant people. And this is obviously de- deeply embedded in ideas of gender. Um, another thing that's different is gestational limits for abortion. And so in WA and Northern Territory, abortion is not technically 
a pregnant person's choice. It's still technically a doctor's choice. Um, but in other jurisdictions, um, it is technically a pregnant person's choice as long as it's performed by a doctor, um, but it, only until a certain gestation pregnancy. And so in um, uh, Tasmania, for example, that's 16. Queensland, New South Wales and South Australia, it's 22. And in Victoria, it's 24. Um, and then in ACT, there's no just gestational limits on abortion. So we've got these kind of strange things written into health law that um, kind of exceptionalise abortion and differentiate it from other um, health procedures. And there's a few examples, but there's there's others as well. Mm, so some real variations in gestational limits there. Yeah, um, that's a yeah. major one. Mm. And uh, also, I mean, you mm. have touched on, I suppose, the cultural um, aspects of this legislative framework. Mm. So, yeah, as we that that is the legal situation. But as we know, our laws are deeply influenced by and enmeshed mm. in cultural contexts. So let let's talk about that. In um yeah. In your 2017 book, Happy Abortions, Our Bodies in the Era of Choice, you argue that even for people who are pro-choice and indeed um, fighting for abortion rights, abortion is usually characterised as this kind of extreme or exceptional situation and is surrounded by negative emotions, so something that is at best pretty unpleasant. So can you unpack that a bit? Yeah, well, I was writing um, the book um, really emerged from my PhD thesis and I was writing um, that sort of between um, 2005 and 2015 and and it was really because um, I was writing in Victoria and I started writing just after the, the debate here to decriminalise abortion. Uh, we decriminalised in 2008. Um, and what really struck me was the way in which the pro-choice media um, and, of course, you know, you know homogenous entity, but state mainstream media um, and also pro-choice politicians and even the pro-choice activists that got into the media at that time were speaking about abortion and they're really speaking about abortion as this difficult choice that a woman or pregnant person would grieve um, indelibly. On Community Radio Around Australia, you're listening to Women on the Line. We're focusing on abortion rights in so-called Australia, and you're hearing Dr Erica Miller discussing the impact of cultural perceptions of abortion. Um, and I wrote that book, yeah, it was published in 2017, um, and I think there's been a bit of a shift in pro-choice activism that would be interesting to examine. But I think there's still this discourse amongst, um, and it's really united with um, the anti-choices as well, that abortion is um, an exceptional choice, that it is something, and if you have, you're in a position that you have to have an abortion, it's have to, it's not, you know, you choose to, then you're going to sort of suffer from it, you're going to suffer emotionally. And what I did in the book, um, which was a thesis, is I really unpacked the gendered meanings of that because, of course, we know that gender diverse and trans people have abortions. But uh, when we think about representations of abortion, um, they're very gendered and they're gendered because they rely on this idea of the pregnant person as a pregnant woman, actually. And when we think of how pregnant women are represented, um, pregnancy is meant to be sort of a happy occasion and it's happy because sort of a woman's a, a woman's trajectory sort of leading towards motherhood and so yeah you're gendered female and then you know you're meant to aspire towards motherhood and then when you're pregnant you're actually almost there and it's the sort of journey towards having a baby and the baby's always um thought of and I argued in my book it's sort of as an a, a sort of happy object and of course I was talking discursively I wasn't talking about actually actual babies talking about how they're represented um, and I really looked at 
the power that this norm had in um, sort of setting setting in motion this um, representation of abortion as something exceptional, something sorrowful, and something difficult. Where we know that you know people have abortions very frequently, um, and that. And the study, study after study have, has shown that if you want an abortion, then it's the very best thing you can do for your mental and emotional health. And actually the, the biggest feeling afterwards is relief. And of course, there's always exceptions to that where diverse people um, with, you know, diverse life expectations and experiences. Um, so you can't homogenise abortion experiences, but that's the norm. Um, and it's very different to the norm that's represented, um, yeah, in, in sort of mainstream cultures. Mm. So really this portrayal of um, pregnancy as a sort of apex of this, um, you know, very culturally weighted and in some senses, um, uh, you know, stereotypical or even sexist feminine experience and these gender norms that, um, you know, in some senses outlive or almost override the law. Um, oh, yeah, and I think there's still, I mean, those, as you say, you know, our laws embedded in culture and I think um, actually if we think about the decriminalised landscape of abortion law, we can see, um, you know, as far as I'm concerned and many, you know, activists are concerned, there shouldn't be any laws regulating abortion, that abortion should be regulated like all other health procedures. And the fact that it isn't um, really has to do with the special status of abortion and the special status of abortion has to do with um, this idea that abortion is somehow exceptional or different or um, abnormal. And that's, yeah, still very much um, pertinent today. Mm. So where do you see things going from here? I mean, do you think that potentially, um, you know, after the shift in the United States with the overturning of Roe versus Wade, do you think that abortion rights could be at risk in Australia? I don't think so. We've just um, had uh, campaigns for decriminalisation in all states and territories. And the thing about Australia and the US is that I think um until about 19, say, 70, 1980, then, yeah, we shared very similar trajectories um, to the US in terms of abortion law and also abortion politics um, because, um, partly because uh, the US and Australia are both um, British colonies, both inherited um, British law, although, of course, uh, um, the states um, cut away from that much earlier than Australia. Australia is still <laughs> quite within that, um, the, the British paradigm. Um, but um, what happened in America was in, a, in the late 70s, early 80s, it, is it became um, a, a really partisan political issue. And so um, an anti-abortion position is associated with Republicans, pro-choice with um, uh, Democrats. But the, the, the pro-choice um, Democrats sort of flavour was um, that abortion should be safe, legal and rare. And this idea that abortion should be safe, legal and rare, with the emphasis on rare, is very, actually very stigmatising. It's stigmatising you have abortion, people who have abortions because it um, characterises abortion as um, both exceptional and as a failure, a personal failure. Um, and so there's no, no real, you know, um, political party in the states that are vocally, you know, pro-abortion, I would say. Um, in Australia, it's been very different. And it's been, Australia is much more similar to Canada, to the UK, to New Zealand. Um, no major political party in Australia has a platform on abortion, except for the Greens who are pro-choice. Um, it's always been a, um, a conscience vote. Abortion's just not been as politicised in Australia, and it hasn't been for decades. Um, another different thing um, 
in Australia, and this is very significant, um, is that in 1973 in America, um, there was really a top-down legislation which um, made um, abortion a constitutional right. And this was obviously the Roe versus Wade Supreme Court decision. And so this meant that states that hadn't got to decriminalisation um, yet, but were moving in that direction, it was sort of imposed upon them. Uh, in Australia, it was quite different because there were uh, politicians and doctors and, you know, um, on the ground activists were involved in all stages of law reform, both in the liberalisation of the 60s and 70s and more recently in decriminalisation. So we didn't have that sort of um, top-down Supreme Court decision. Um, so anyway, so that's my, my big way of saying that America and Australia are actually very, very different. Um, and America is really an outcast when it comes to sort of Anglo, other Anglo-speaking um, countries. Of course, they're, you know, similar to, say, the restrictive context in Poland um, and in other places that are sort of moving in the opposite direction. But the global trend is toward decriminalisation um, and Australia is one of the leaders in that trend. Um, so uh, Australia abortion was not perfect, um, but actually it's really those obstacles outside of the law that we need to focus on. I don't see um, any... I don't, I don't see um, the antis as having any sort of um, attraction in Australia and I don't think we're going to get any any more restrictive um, legislative context here for any time. I, I'm hoping that actually the, we'll continue moving towards broader decriminalisation and eventually we'll see that abortion not in criminal or health law at all, um, it treats like all other medical procedures. Um, but, yeah, so, I mean, that's what, that, that's what I think. Um, but even though abortion is for the most part, legal in Australia. Um, it's still expensive for many and it's still um, difficult to get um, outside of um, city centres. So there's, there's work to do with abortion provision in Australia, but it's mainly um, outside of the law. Mm. Um, so, yeah. So access issues rather than sort of Access problems. issues, yes. Yeah. yeah, the law is, I mean, the law has problems, but it's not probably not going to change for a while because it takes a really long time to change the law. Um, and, but there's certainly work that can be done within the legal scaffolding we've got to improve access. Um, yeah, I mean, if you think about a, an essential health service um, and you're paying, most people in Australia have to pay um, upward of about $500 for it. And so and often people are getting abortion, abortions. Some, some people get abortions because they can't afford to have a child. Um, and, of course, $500 is a lot cheaper than having a child, but it's still a lot of money for a lot of people. Mm. And why should you? You get you get your you get pregnancy care. You get um, you get the cost of birth completely for medic under Medicare, as you definitely should. Um, and that costs thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars on the healthcare system. But abortion, you have to pay for. And again, that's a value a value judgment, isn't it? About which choices people should be making and which choices they shouldn't be. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you, Erica. That was very comprehensive. Um, I mean, is there? Uh, there's lots of sort of aspects. This is a huge topic and there's lots we haven't touched on, but is there <laughs> is there anything else that you would like to add quickly? Um, no, I think just emphasising that, yeah, that, that there, there's work to go um, with uh, making a, 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 a abortion more accessible. But having said that, if you are finding yourself pregnant, if you find a friend pregnant, there's no need to worry um, that the abortion is available to you. If you live in a rural um, area, then telehealth is an option. And so places like Clinic 66 offer medical abortion through um, Australia. So you can just find them on Google. Um, you can find Myri Scopes on Google. They all, all, also offer telehealth abortion. Um, so um, it's an obstacle and the, 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 the financial obstacle is um, definitely there and it's acute. Um, uh, but 
if you live in South Australia in the Northern Territory and more recently in Tasmania, you'll get your abortion for free. Um, and so, I mean, that's in an equity, isn't it? But it's great for people living in those um, states as well. Um, so, yeah, um, I, I guess I don't want to freak people out when I talk about obstacles and barriers to abortion um, because it's still very much accessible. That was Dr. Erica Miller, Senior Research Fellow at La Trobe University, discussing abortion rights in a local context. I spoke with Erica several weeks ago, and since our conversation, at a federal level, a Senate inquiry to look into access to abortion services and contraception with a focus on people living in regional and remote areas has been established. The report from the inquiry will be due in March 2023. And that's all for Women on the Line today. Women on the Line is a community radio national feminist current affairs program featuring the voices of women and gender diverse people. This program was produced in Nam, Melbourne, with the amazing support of 3CR staff. A big thank you to them. Women on the Line is broadcast across Australia on the community radio network, and we greatly appreciate financial support from the Community Broadcasting Foundation. We welcome your comments or thoughts on today's show, so send us an email to womenonthelion at gmail.com or phone 3CR on 03 8377. If you would like more information about today's program or to listen to the show again, you can find what you need on the Women on the Line website, 3cr.org.au forward slash Women on the Line. The theme music for Women on the Line is by Ripley Cavara. And this week, we'll close out the show with a remix of the song End of My Bloodline by Screaming Females, featuring More Mother and Samus. I'm Emma Hart. Hope you can tune in again next time. Yeah, I came to body you fellas who are my body. Divided among the lighter, you give us a lighter, help us survive. And I know you'd rather you kill us than have us never in our bodies. Believe in more mother goddess, I gotta ask. Are we too radical for you? Or way too heretical for you snitch ass Baby take a sabbatical You should sit back Cause I will never suppress What is under the stress It's my decision If I will undergo vision And vision flashes a prison The warden is a physician Insist on making decisions With expert skill and precision Insist he's driven by kids But everyone know he isn't I would rather go missing Than not defend my position You like my body so much Just take my bottom and kiss it I don't need no pot to piss in But can you do me a solid I pay the rent here So listen No gentrifying my body It's my it's the end of my bloodline It's modern, you're greedy, it's mine yeah. It's the end of my bloodline It's modern, you're greedy, it's mine Exchange with the blind, lost lifelines Unmarked grave, our favorite pastime Currency and crime, lost and sublime Of course time kills all but not a living free fall just headed to the end of it all just the beginning not the end of us me and sam must be fs screaming about a truth that lacks meaning scheming on a better life that already blooms inside the womb of a mother's life we got it right can never be wrong don't give a fuck if you sing along the song's already been sung by marissa me across the face of mister like what the fuck is gender but a pretender of actual events time spent in bankrupt we stuck between two rocks in a warm embrace Where the place of any design outside the lines of patriarchy 